three, two, one. Welcome to System of Soul, everybody. Chris White and Benj Miller coming at you today. And we're excited to talk to Tanya Dalton. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized productivity expert. Um, She's got a book already out, and that's called um, The Joy of Missing Out. And her newest book, which is going to get released October 12th, 2021, is called On Purpose. So uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Tanya, welcome to System and Soul. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited for our conversation today. Why don't you start and, and tell us, you know, kind of specifically, what are you doing out in the world right now? Yeah, well, I like to say that I'm redefining productivity so that people can understand it's not about doing more, it's doing what is most important. And I think, you know, that word productivity is a big shiny object and people are like, ooh, productivity, I'm gonna do more, I'm gonna get more things done. And more is sometimes just more, more stress, more overwhelm, more of all those things. And when we choose to focus in on being truly productive, doing what matters most, that's when we move the needle, not just in our business, but also in our personal life. I'm I'm a big believer in the holistic person that, yes, we want to do amazing, incredible things with our businesses, with our work, but we want to do incredible, amazing things in our personal life as well. So it's really an approach to productivity where it's who are you at home? Who are you at work? How do we create systems at home and at work that really allow your teams to run for you? And I say teams because we have teams at work and we have teams at home. So it's important that we're tapping into both of those. How do we begin to figure out what we should be intentional about or what where we should put those, the the max effort on the few things? That's the big question, right? Because when we treat everything like a priority, then nothing is a priority, right? That's the saying goes. And it's true. It's hard because what we do is we we run ourselves ragged and we we're chasing busy. We're checking a thousand things off our to-do list and we're, we're doing a lot, but we're falling into bed at night and our head hits the pillow and we are exhausted. We're worn out. And we think to ourselves, oh, why didn't I get more done? I should have gotten more done, right? What if we chose instead to do the things that really matter most? If we did fewer things, things that really matter, then then we would fall into bed at night and go, wow, today was amazing. It would be fewer things, but they're more meaningful. So that's really at the heart of being productive. So we have to first figure out though, what are the priorities? What are the things that are most important? And I think this is the thing is there's not a magic formula that I can give you to say, here's the list of things that are most important because it's different to each and every one of us. Uh, When it comes to our businesses, to me, one of my very favorite ways to really figure out what is important is to, first of all, have a North Star, a mission, a vision. You're having your core values in place, using those as your filter for making your decisions, for deciding what products you want to take on. I also really advise people to utilize the Pareto principle, which is commonly known as the 80-20 rule, right? Because what we do is we chase after every customer, every client. We have a thousand different SKUs and a thousand different offerings trying to be everything to everyone, which means we end up being nothing, right? Just standing for absolutely nothing. And really focusing in on what are the things that really move the needle the most. So in our businesses, if we apply the Pareto principle, which says it's the vital few that really makes the greatest impact, 
what we can do is we can look at, okay, if I look at my customer list, there's probably about 20% of my customers that are the bulk of my revenue. They're the ones bringing in most of the revenue. Same thing with our products and our offerings. So figuring out, okay, who are those clients and really zooming in on who are your, what I call your soulmate clients. Now that's one way to really figure out what are the things that are going to move the needle, right? And then the other things, the other 80% of the things that you're doing, we give less time to, right? Because we want to do the things that move the needle in our personal life. And in the kind of bigger picture of who we are, it's really about what is our purpose? What are we here for? Each and every one of us was designed to make an impact, In fact, in my book, I talk about the fact that every single person on this planet has the ability to impact 80,000 lives, 80,000 lives. If you meet on average, let's say three people a day, some days more, some days less, you know, neighbors, kids, you know, other parents at the kid, that's kids, soccer games, uh, people at a networking event, all those different places. We meet about three people a day. And we're alive for an average of 73.3 years in our lifetime. That's 80,000 people. That's without having any platform. That's without having any like spheres of influence. We have that ability to affect and change that many people's lives. Mm -hmm. So let's take that a little more seriously, right? In the, the things that we're doing when we're coaching people and the things that we're doing when we're creating our offerings and our services. So it really is tapping into what is it I want to do? And we can, we can kind of lean into some of that if you guys want to, if that's something that you think your listeners need help with. You know, I, I want to go back to the statement, like when you were saying, like at the end of the day, you go home and you're going to bed, right? And you're just yes. you're wiped out. Mm-hmm. So what that means is you're, you're frustrated, overwhelmed, right? You're, you're probably getting in a bad space. Okay, I want to become more productive. So I start prioritizing, listing, doing the 80-20. What I'm wondering is what the psychological impact, right? Like you got this list and you're just not getting it done. Or or I'm 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 interested in your thoughts around once we do prioritize, what if we miss our goals? Like, wait, I'm supposed to be more productive, yet I missed the goal. What the hell am I doing wrong? Right. Well, first of all, I'll tell you this, and this is something that I really lean into in my first book, The Joy of Missing Out. I truly believe you should throw away your to-do list. I think your to-do list takes you everywhere, but where you want to go. Um, (laughs) I define overwhelm because I think, I I think especially when it comes to entrepreneurs and busy people, overwhelm is like the, the rallying cry. I'm overwhelmed by everything, right? Overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And what a to-do list does is it doesn't tell you where to start. It doesn't tell you what to work on next. It's just this long jumbled list we keep tacking things onto and it's three miles long. And because you're not getting those important things done, you do fall into bed feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. You feel like you haven't done enough even though you've checked off a bunch of things. So instead of doing a to-do list, make a priority list. A priority list is shorter, it's more focused, And I walk through the steps of creating a priority list in The Joy of Missing Out, where you have basically three categories. And it it piggybacks off of the Eisenhower matrix, if you're familiar with the Eisenhower matrix. Uh, But we have three categories of escalate, cultivate, and accommodate. So we start our day at the top with the tasks that are important and that they are driving us closer to our North Star. They're connected to our goals. These are things that are essential, that must be done by us. These are things that are an investment. But they're 
also urgent, meaning they have a timeline, right? It, they need to be done right. right away. This might be something like creating a presentation for a, a client that's due tomorrow or something like that, right? Then we move down to the next category, which is cultivate. These are items that are important. So again, driving you to that North Star, uh, connected to your goals, essential investments in yourself, but they're not urgent. So these are things like making your marketing budget, uh, spending time looking for somebody new for your team, working on your standard operating procedures, uh, all those things, you know, taking a course, taking a program to better yourself, spending sure. time learning more about your industry. What happens though, is because it's not urgent, because it's not like this screaming deadline, this fire that needs to be put out, we push those things aside when that's really the area where we are going to see the best long-term growth right? That's really the area we want to spend the majority of our time in. And then our last category is accommodate. These are the things that are urgent. So they're like screaming out at you, but they're not really important. It's like 99% of what's in your email inbox right now at this very moment, right? <laughs> and so if we start our day at the top of this priority list and we work our way down, then we know where to start. We know what to work on next and overwhelm is gone. That's when we feel satisfied. That's when we feel successful. And because it's a priority list, it's shorter. It's filled with yeah. our priorities, right? We're not putting 3 million things on that. I put on my priority list, probably at the most five or six things to do. I was going to ask if there's sort of a magic number. Mm -hmm. I would say five, five or six is the very most. I run a seven figure business and I have five or six things on that list. I'm running a team at home. I'm running a team at the office. And yet that's how many things I'm doing because other things I'm delegating or I'm saying no to, right? right? I'm outsourcing. I'm giving it to my team because those are the tasks that aren't really moving the needle. I want to spend my time on the vital few. Like we talked about earlier, the top 20% of my customers and clients, they get me, not the other 80%, right? So it really is about choosing how we want to prioritize. Yeah. But to kind of tack onto that second part of your question about what it, what do we do though when we're getting off track? Here's what I, I would tell you. A lot of times we get off track because the goals we've set are not really our goals. We're setting goals that we think we should be setting or that we're supposed to be setting. We're looking around, we're looking left and right and here and there. And we're like, oh my gosh, this guy over here, he's killing it. I should totally do what he's doing. Or, oh, ooh, look how this business is doing. They're doing these things. I should do that too. So we set our goals based off of what success looks like to everybody else. Instead of deciding what we want our goals to be, what is going to be meaningful for me? So we start out with our goals with this fire in our belly. And then a couple months down the road or a couple of weeks or a couple of days, that fire is gone because it's not really our goals. The other part of it is we change, we evolve, we shift and we grow, which is an amazing thing. I'm not the same person I was, you know, a year ago. I don't think you probably were, are, right? We all shift and change and grow. And sometimes on that journey of growth, our goals change, but because we have set that goal, we're like, I have to see it through. Winners never quit. Quitters never win, right? I got to see it through. And so when we get off track, I think it's so important to just stop for a second. I got, I talk about in the, in the book on purpose, the three A's we have to stop and first acknowledge we acknowledge, okay, I'm off track. Got it. That doesn't mean beat yourself up. It doesn't mean tell you you're the worst so that you never hit your goals. We just start by acknowledging, all right, I'm off track. Then we can assess. That's the second A. And the big part of the assessment is this question. Is this goal really still for me? Because maybe it's not. 
maybe it's time to get rid of that goal. You know, I used to say we make plans in pencil and we set goals in ink. And I think that's the dumbest thing I could have ever said. I think goals should be written in pencil. They should be erased. They should be changed. As we're shifting and growing, our goals are going to shift and change. Sometimes when we get off of the path, that's really the detour that gets us to the life we really want. That's really where our eyes are open to the opportunities. Yeah. I got to ask you this question. I bet our listeners are thinking it too. If we change goals, we fall into this trap of a moving target. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So is that bad? I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the important thing is you need a target, right? I mean, Zig Ziglar talks about that, that you got to have a target. We got to aim. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. Right. right. So it's okay for that. And, And the truth is, let's be honest. We already are setting goals that are shifting and changing. Every time we hit a goal, we're moving that finish line further back, which is why we're never really satisfied. We think that we're going to be happy when I achieve six figures. Like there's this magical moment. I hit six figures and you hit six figures and they're like, hmm, now what? Now I got to hit seven. Now I got to hit eight. Now I got, right? All those things happen. So we're already moving the goalpost. Let's move it with intention. Let's stop and assess is this goal for me? And that it's okay to say, you know what? Let's take a little gasoline and burn this goal to the ground and start fresh and start new. You know, there's a lot of fertile ground that comes when you do that. <laughs> and I think the thing is too, is sometimes we don't know the questions to ask. We don't even know the goals that are available to us till we get off track and we go, hold on a minute. Right. I didn't even know this was here, right? It's kind of right. like, you know, you're on the highway going towards your goal and you get off track and all of a sudden you're on like the scenic route and you're like, Whoa, I like this a lot better. This is where I want to be. Or I didn't even know this, this area of my industry existed. What if I lean into this niche instead? Now, what we don't want to do is make the mistake of just like constantly moving and shifting, right? We want to make sure we're investing ourselves fully and completely. So that's part of that assessment. Have I really gone after this goal? Is this goal still for me? If it is still for you, all right, what do I need to do to get back on track? What do I need to adjust? What, what habits do I need to establish for myself? And that's when we do the third A. So the first day was acknowledge. Second one was assess. The last one is adjust. We adjust what we're doing. Set yourself up with some habits. Set yourself up for success. Create the time. Time's not gonna magically appear, right? Create the time so you can get back on track or adjust and make this whole new path work for you. Right. Don't get back on the highway. Stay on, stay on that mountain view that you are on. Right. Uh, so I think that's really and the assessment right there, I think, is the most important part. Really taking a good look objectively, not with the whole beating yourself up, not with the negative self-talk, not with the I'm always doing these things, not leaning into the limiting beliefs of the stories we tell ourselves, but really assessing. Hey, podcast listeners, Chris White here. I want to challenge you with something today. Now, this might sting a little bit. You ready? All right, here it is. Are you limiting your capacity as a leader? We know you're experienced in the world of business, entrepreneurship, and leadership development. We know you're smart, intentional, business-savvy folks. But are you playing too small? One of the greatest steps you can take after years of leading a company or organization is to become a coach for other businesses. I've been a business coach for over 20 years after a 20-year corporate career, and I'm here to tell you, 
I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It is the most rewarding and gratifying thing that I have ever done in my career. And this is also why Benj Miller and I created System and Soul. We're training coaches right now to help small businesses everywhere experience breakthrough in both the system and the soul side of their business. If you're ready to expand your capacity and create impact like never before, then let's go. Get on my calendar, let's book a call, and I'm happy to introduce you to System and Soul. For more information, visit systemandsoul.com forward slash coach and set up your phone call today. I love the freedom that you're speaking about that comes with the the more honest approach to where you're at and what you really want. I want to play devil's advocate for a minute, though, as you're talking about building the priority list. Um, And I'm just I'll use the home. You've gone back and forth. I'll use the home, Mm -hmm. for example. And at the end of the day, somebody's still got to do the dishes and still got to do the laundry. Mm-hmm. And those are yeah. absolutely not my priority. So how do we deal with those? Mm, I like that question because first of all, I think a lot of times we think we have to do all the heavy lifting. We have a team around us. Most of us have a team, whether that is outsourcing because you have somebody who comes in and does some of your housekeeping for you, which I think is a great way to invest in yourself. The money you spend on somebody coming in to clean really buys up the time for the tasks that are going to bring you the real revenue and bring in the real money, right? But we also have kids. We have we have spouses and significant others. We have people that we can trade with. We have friends that we can do things with. And so with things like um, laundry, I think laundry is a great example because we all have laundry. I don't care who you are, you have laundry, right? And laundry is one of those things that all of a sudden becomes this like mountain. And it becomes a fiery inferno. It becomes an urgent task because all of a sudden nobody has any clean underwear and you don't know what to do, right? So with things like that, what I say, first of all, is we set them up as automations and we bring our team in. So a perfect example of laundry, when my kids were little, so like when they were teeny tiny, let's say two or three years old, I started doing this with them. Tuesday was their laundry day. Every Tuesday was their laundry day. So I would say it's Tuesday, laundry day, my kids knew what to do because every Tuesday was laundry day. They would bring the laundry down the stairs and I would do the laundry. Well, my kids got a little bit older, like four. And I'm not kidding when I say they were four years old. And I would say, okay, it's Tuesday, laundry day. They would bring their hampers down. I intentionally bought hampers that they could drag down the stairs, bring their hampers down and they would sort the laundry. Now, could I have sorted the laundry faster? Oh, yes, absolutely. Was it exhausting at times? Yes, absolutely but it was an investment, right? I was teaching them how to do the task. Then they got a little older, like seven years old. And then it was, it's Tuesday, it's laundry day. They brought their laundry down. They would sort their own laundry. At this point, they know how to do it without me standing over them. And they would put it in the washing machine. Well, guess who doesn't do laundry at my house? I don't. My kids do their own laundry. My kids do the house laundry. That's one of the chores that they do. So I think we have to remember, we have a whole team. And the beauty of setting up automations is that they happen automatically. We don't think about it. It doesn't become an urgent fire. You know why? Every Tuesday is the kids' laundry day. Every Friday is the house laundry day. So we do sheets and towels and those kinds of things. My laundry day is on a different day. But again, it's taking the thinking out of it. What we don't want to do is we don't want to think about laundry. I mean, right now, I want your listeners to answer this question. Do you want to think about laundry right now? No, no one wants to think about laundry ever. And yet laundry has to be done. 
So when we set it up as an automation, it's just like a habit. It happens without thinking and it gets done. And that's the beauty is that it never becomes the urgent fire, right? So that's the same thing with the dishes. We have an automation or we create a habit for it. And again, bringing in those members of your team to help out, whether that means outsourcing or tapping into the the free labor that we have at home, (laughs) we'll call it. But really, you don't need to do all the things. So let's walk away from that. I think, too, I'm a firm believer in uh, and I, I mean, like I said, I started doing the laundry thing with my kids when they were like two years old. My son is now in college who is being, I mean, he's been at college now for a couple of weeks and he's doing great. You know why? He knows how to do his laundry. <laughs> he knows how to adult because he's been doing these things for years. Mm-hmm. I've given my child wings. So he fled my nest and he is soaring and it's amazing to see. And isn't that what our goal is with our team members at the office? Isn't that our goal with our team members at work as well? I don't want to micromanage you. No, thank you. I have better things to do, like reading a book or taking a nap. I don't need to micromanage you, okay? (laughs) So it really is about delegating and understanding that delegating is not decision-making, right? Handing it over and letting other people do it. All right, so a lot of our listeners specifically are going to be familiar with when when they set goals, the idea of, or or targets or objectives or rocks, whatever we want to call them, making them smart. Yes. But you in your infinite wisdom have a better solution. I like where this is going already. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, we've been dying to ask you this question. Tell us about the impact goal framework. Yeah. So here's the thing with smart goals. I have taught smart goals for years years and years. So I'm a, I've, I was a big advocate of the smart framework for goals. And I think smart framework was, is great in that it's really simple to remember, right? So it's really easy to do, doesn't require any extra tools, but the smart framework was invented in 1980, 40 years ago. And it's needed a lot of adjusting. So I was finding when I was teaching the smart framework, I was like, okay, but over here, we need to shift this, or we need to change this up a little bit. And I was like, you know what? What if we just give the SMART goal framework a a refresh, an update, a makeover? And so I refreshed it and I call it the impact goal system. So you're going to see when we go through it that there's some overlap because I don't think we need to throw SMART goals away necessarily. It's just freshening them up 40 years later, right? right? So just like SMART stands for a different word, impact does the same thing. The I is inspirational. Then we have measurable, purpose driven adaptable, challenging, and timed. So we'll go through those just really quickly. Um, I, inspirational. So we want our goals to inspire us. They need to be things that we're excited about. This is one of the first things in noticing, does this goal excite me? And when we write our goals, we want to write them as a positive, as if it is inevitable, as if it is absolutely positively going to happen. We don't say, I want to quit smoking. That's a negative. You say, I am a non-smoker. I am going to be a non-smoker, right? It's really focusing in on what we want. When we go to a restaurant, we don't tell the waiter all the things we don't want to order. (laughs) We tell them what we want. And let's do that. Let's tell the universe. Let's tell the world what we're wanting. So let's call that forth. So we want to make sure they're inspirational. M is measurable. There's our overlap right there with the SMART framework. We want to make sure our goals are measurable because we like to see that we've made progress. Sometimes we have to see the breadcrumbs. We have to see where we've been in order to see how far we can go in moving forward. 
Now, the biggest mistake I find when people make their goals measurable is we focus really hardcore into the numbers, right? And generally those numbers are like numbers on the scale, number of followers, number on our paycheck, our revenue, right? Those things. Numbers don't define you. Let's choose things that are measurable, like your habits. What are the things you're doing on a regular basis? Let's measure how often we are doing things. So for example, instead of saying, I wanna lose 10 pounds, if your big overall overarching lifestyle goal is that you want to be healthier, the 10 pounds aren't what it's about. It's really about establishing a habit of healthy eating. So we could start measuring how often you are eating healthy meals at home instead of getting takeout from around the corner. So you could decide how many times a week you were going to do that. So that's how we can make it measurable and then we can track it, right? Then we have our P, which is purpose-driven. Listen, the name of the book is On Purpose. If you didn't think the P was going to be purpose-driven, come on. Right? right? So it has to be tied to something bigger. And for me, that word purpose really is, it's about doing things today that are tied to our tomorrows. It's looking out into the horizon and seeing a brighter future and working towards it. So the goals we're doing today need to be an investment in wherever it is we're looking to go, that vision we have. So inspirational, measurable, purpose-driven, and then we have adaptable and challenging. So those go hand in hand. We want our goals to be challenging. We want them to push us out of our comfort zone because that's where growth happens, right? And that's when we really get to that next level, when we challenge ourselves. And truly, we are the happiest when we're challenging ourselves. But what happens is we set these goals for ourselves that are so challenging that we don't achieve them. Or we fall off the wagon and we're like, done, I'm the worst, can't set goals, can't achieve goals, and we just, we're done, right? we're all going to have rough days. We're all going to have rough weeks. We're going to have weeks where things don't go well. So adaptable and challenging go hand in hand. We want to push ourselves, but we want to make sure we have adaptability and flexibility built in because life, I mean, life demands flexibility. Things happen. We, you know, we want to train for a marathon, but we end up spraining our ankles or we have a week with a sick kid or we are sick or we're traveling or it's like a, a heavy week or we're doing a live event that lots of things are happening, right? So making sure that we're setting things that are challenging, but also adaptable. And my favorite way to do that is using the MTO method when we're setting our goals. So MTO stands for minimum target and outrageous. So let's, let's go back to that example of healthy eating. Let's say that you really want to make sure that you are eating healthy four days a week. And that would be a really good start for you. So that's your T, that's your target. You're really targeting that you want to do that four times a week. The minimum, let's say, would be three times a week. So if you ate healthy three times a week, that's better than what you're doing right now, right? So you've achieved that goal, but it's not quite to your target. So it's okay. You can still say, I'm on the right track. And it allows you not to have like pass fail, right? When it comes to goals. So we hit that minimum, but we're really still aiming for the target. And then we have the O, which stands for outrageous. What's the outrageous goal? Like when I hit this goal, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to be so excited. Um, you know, so for, again, for the healthy eating, maybe it's eating healthy six days a week, right? So again, we have our target. We really want to shoot for four days a week, but if we do Three days, hey, we're still winning. We're still on track with our goals. We're doing okay. Let's not fall off the horse, right? But then it also gives us that push to really challenge ourselves with that target. I love setting MTO goals for launches, right? For how many people I want to get into an event. That way my team knows what we're really targeting. It gives us a minimum so we're able to celebrate. 
but we're all really shooting for that outrageous. And I will set like some sort of outrageous reward for ourselves if we hit that goal, right? If we hit outrageous, we are all going to go and do a retreat for a weekend somewhere amazing, or I'm going to get spa days for everybody or something, right? So there's that adaptability, but still challenging. And then our last letter of impact, inspirational, measurable, purpose-driven, adaptable, and challenging, timed, which again overlaps with SMART goals. We want to give ourselves a deadline. We want to give ourselves, I call it a container. A container has a start time and an end time. We don't want to leave our goals just open-ended. We want to have a time to check in. Even if it's something like healthy eating that we want to do long-term, let's stop and celebrate, hey, look how well I've done. Now it's time for me to shift and change my MTO right? Now I'm going to take some time and really say, Hey, I did a good job. Cause what we tend to do is we achieve the goal. We don't stop to celebrate it and we just keep going. Right. And then we wonder why we're exhausted. Right? That's what time does for you. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the impact framework kind of in a, in a nutshell for you. That was huge. And we're running out of time, but I definitely want to hear, uh, you have one other super intriguing thing that, um, I want to know about, which is this idea of cathedral thinking. Mm, Yes. So cathedral thinking really is, it's based off this idea of, you know, in the 1100s and the 1200s, the city builders and the architects and the planners, they had these really audacious visions of what they wanted for their cities. And they built these beautiful, amazing cathedrals, cathedrals like the Duomo in Florence or Notre Dame, places like that, things that have lasted thousands of years that are still standing today. Right now, what's interesting about these cathedrals is they weren't finished in 10 years. They weren't finished in 20 years. They took hundreds of years to finish. I think the Duomo took like five, six hundred years to finish. So it's really, again, this idea of looking out on the horizon and figuring out what do I want that's bigger than today? What do I want my legacy to be? What is the bigger impact I want to create for the world? So when we're thinking about cathedral thinking, And this really ties in with how we back up and get to what our goals are. We look at that cathedral and we think about what do I want 10 years from now, maybe even 20 years from now, what could that look like for me with my business or my personal life or whatever area of your life it is. It's looking out and seeing this beautiful cathedral that we're working towards. What that does is it creates a landmark that we can see that we can actively make a map to get to. Love it. That makes perfect sense. I, I read that you said um, willpower mm-hmm. is a myth. Yeah, yeah, it's totally overrated and it doesn't exist. So we have to stop pretending like it does. I think we love to blame our lack of willpower. Oh, I just can't do it. I just don't have the willpower. Yeah. I don't have the self-discipline. Yeah. Self-discipline and willpower are, first of all, they don't exist. They literally are scientifically proven to not exist, but they're also overrated. I think we look at other people who are highly disciplined and we think, ooh, I want that. Look at that guy. Look at this girl. She's doing these things. That's amazing. And I equate it to white couches which is kind of weird, but bear with me here for a second. Uh, I think about how all these pictures of white couches, like I love the idea of a white couch living room. Like I look at them, I put them on Pinterest. I like mark them in a catalog and I think, ooh, I want a white couch. And then I remember 
I have two kids. I have a dog. I have a cat. We like to have popcorn movie nights. Um, a white couch sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it may look good in the catalog shoot. It may look good on, in on Instagram or Pinterest, but it's not really going to look good in my life. So it's not really what we want. Do you want to be highly disciplined where you don't have any room for joy and fun and flexibility in life to really happen? People who look disciplined or who look like they're highly regimented, they just have a series of habits that they're doing, stacking them one after the next that they're doing. And because they're habits, they do them without thinking. So it's effortless, right? And what we do is when we decide what our goals are, we set up ourselves with creating these habits that tie in to whatever it is we want. So let's say, for example, you one of your goals is that you want to be more mindful and you want to really make time for meditation. Okay, all we need to do to really incorporate that into your day is to stack it on a habit you're already doing. Um, in the morning, most people probably get up, go to the coffee pot and get a cup of coffee. Do it without thinking, right? You don't think twice. You don't go, should right. I have a cup of coffee? Should I not? There's no, there's no decision-making happening. You're going straight to the coffee pot, getting the coffee. What if we left your meditation app right next to it? Oh, I get my cup of coffee. The meditation app is right there, right next to it. Now I, I've triggered myself to remember I'm going to do my meditation. You go to do your meditation and wherever you do your meditation, that's where you leave your journal. So if you want to start journaling afterwards, right? So it's just a series of setting up these things for ourselves that we do without thinking, building off of habits we've already established. Let's take the thinking out of it. Again, it's really about, we don't want to have to think about these things. Right. Let's put them on autopilot to get us to that big, beautiful cathedral that we see far off into the future. Are you sold, Chris? No. Is there, will, is there no, willpower? We're going to have her back because I could go longer on this one. <laughs> and it would be a great conversation because, you know, I get the stacking. So I, I have... Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I wouldn't say very a strict regimen, but I I have a process, right? And I do right. it every, mm -hmm. I do it every morning. And kind of kind of as I was listening to you talk about stacking on another habit, I think I did that without knowing that I was doing that. Um, right. Yeah. In, in my process, but my my the, the, the you know I'm I'm I've worked out my whole life. That's a discipline. So. So I'm just, I can, I can see having a deeper conversation here because yeah. stacking takes discipline. You're either going to do it and you got to do it for a period mm -hmm. of time to make it. To get it habit. started. Yeah. Yes. To get it started, it takes some effort because that's the thing with habits is it takes a little bit. You have to think about it to get it started. It's an investment. It's just like my kids right. with the laundry, right? Like you invest that time and a little extra thinking on the front end because of the long-term benefits you're going to get from right. it. Right. But yes, I think working out is a perfect example. Like it's something that you do now that's just part of, and you know how it makes you feel. Yeah. So that's part of it. It all builds into that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Good stuff. Yeah. I think there's definitely a piece of what we think of willpower is just mental toughness. You know, I think about, mm -hmm. when I think about willpower, I think about, I love to play basketball and I play in all these different games and uh, I'm getting to be one of the older guys, but for years I was, I was the young guy out there and it would be so frustrating that these older guys who were less fit, less athletic, less skilled, you know, they would get the rebound. They'd get this, you know, and literally I believe they just willed it to happen. Their, their mental toughness that <laughs> that is their ball and no uh -huh. scrawny little kid is going to take it from them. 
got them a lot of success on the basketball court. And, and, you know, I took that and ran with it and I'm like, all right, well, if it's mental toughness, I can have that too. Right. And so I started building that into to my game. Right. Um, but I think, you know, is that, is mental toughness different than willpower? I don't know. We'll save it for another day. You were, a, I um, love that. You were so fun. Uh, you're definitely passionate about what you're about and I'm excited for your book launch. So tell us where we can get it next week. Yes. So the book is available anywhere books are sold. You can actually pre-order it now anywhere books are sold. Uh, and you can find information on it on my website. That's probably the best place to find all the different places at tanyadalton.com. You can also find links to my podcast, the intentional advantage there. Uh, but that's a great place to find out about the joy of missing out my first book where I talk about priority lists and I talk about automations and creating those kinds of systems. And then also on purpose, this newest book as well. Perfect. Thank you, Tanya. System is all. We'll see you next week.